to celebrate both Mother's Day and dedications. Didn't all those babies look so cute? Uh, Some of them are dressed in lovely white outfits. I don't know how long that'll last. Um, uh, It's great, isn't it, to see families all together, you know, kind of uh, dressed in their best and celebrating new life together. Uh, There's a family that's been in the press recently. Um, It'd be great to see their picture. And here they look very together, dad in his suit, two children. They look really like everything is just how it is meant to be. But this family became famous because uh, the dad is an expert on Korea. And he was being interviewed um, on live BBC, and suddenly his family got involved. So let's uh, watch the video. Scandals happen all the time. The question is, how do democracies respond to those scandals? Uh, and what will it mean for, uh, for the wider region? I think one of your children has just walked in. I mean, shift it, shifting, shifting sands in the region, do you think relations with the North may change? Um, I would be surprised if they do. <laughs> The, um, pardon me. Pardon me. My apologies. What is this going to be for the region? My apologies. North, uh, sorry. Um, North Korea, North, uh, South Korea's policy choices on North Korea have been severely limited in the last six months to a year. Oh dear, family life is messy, isn't it? It is messy. We like to think that we've got everything under control. We like to portray ourselves and our families, you know, on Facebook, the smiles, looking good. But actually, if we're honest, most of the time we're kind of scrambling to keep things under control, uh, to rescue situations that haven't gone as planned and to hide the mess and make out that everything is just fine in our family. And, you know, that isn't just for people who've got young kids, although there are particular challenges when you've got little ones in the house. But, you know, some of us have challenges in our families, maybe elderly relatives we're caring for, or maybe someone in our family is in debt or in trouble, and we're we're just trying to make it work as a family put a brave face on, uh, and, and, and make out that we can cope, we can make everything fine. But in reality, we often need help, don't we? You know, the Bible is full of stories of mixed-up families. Uh, we're going to be looking at some of those stories after Easter. There's, there's brothers who don't get on, there's uh, family members who deceive each other. There's parents who have favorites. I mean, there's a good few X-rated stories in the Bible about families because God gets right involved in family life. He loves families of all kinds, not just the perfect ones. You know, others here today maybe feeling a little bit kind of sensitive because this day is a hard day for you. Maybe you're thousands of miles away from your family, your mum. Maybe actually family life is difficult, painful for you. Maybe there's loss in your family and today feels awkward and difficult. We want you to know that we are glad you're here with us. 
and we're, we welcome you. We welcome all kinds of families. We don't want to ever portray that families in church have all got it together and are perfect because that's not the reality. Actually, as a church, we're majority single people of different ages and stages, and many of us have all kinds of different families, but we're all welcome here. You know, parents these days can know a lot about their babies before they're even born because, uh, you know, scans are so detailed. You can know all about their health and that everything's just right. You can um, know often, you know, how much they're going to weigh roughly. And, of course, you've got that dilemma. Do you find out if it's going to be a boy or a girl before that baby is born? It was a bit different in the first century. I think they kind of just went along and hoped for the best. Um, But there is a story in the New Testament of one family, Zechariah and Elizabeth. And they're an older couple. They'd pretty much given up on having children. And then one day, an angel announces to Zechariah not only that his wife is going to have a baby but that it's going to be a boy, and the name of that baby is going to be John. Just think how many discussions and arguments it would settle if angels told us the names of all our babies. And so Zechariah finds out about what his son is going to be like, John the Baptist. Not only that he's a boy, but actually something about his purpose, something about the mission that John will have once he's born and once he grows up to be a man. So that's pretty unusual. Let's read a verse about John the Baptist that Zechariah is given from the angel. Luke chapter 1, verse 17. And it says this, And he will go on before the Lord. That's before Jesus. So John is going to be someone who gets up and tells people about the coming one, about Jesus. He will be in the spirit and power of Elijah. Elijah was a famous Old Testament prophet. So it's speaking about how great uh, John will be. And then it gives three things that John's going to do in his life. He's going to turn the hearts of parents to their children, the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous, and to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. It's going to turn the hearts of parents towards their children. So he's going to help people uh, change their hearts, soften their hearts towards their children. He's going to help people see that they need wisdom. So he's going to cause a change of mind in people. And then he's going to help people see that they are part of something bigger the people of God, a people, a family that God wants to gather. So he's going to change people's perspective. You know, in this short verse, there's something about the heart of the good news of Jesus, of the gospel, that it starts with changed hearts. It doesn't start with wisdom and doing things right it, because we can't do it. We are messed up and broken. It starts with God changing our hearts from the inside out. And then he teaches us wisdom 
that helps us grow in faith. And then we also get a bigger perspective. It's not just about me and my family. It's about finding my place in the people of God. And that's the process of kind of becoming a Christian, of finding faith in God, a changed heart, and then growth and wisdom and being part of the people of God. You know, when a new baby arrives, everybody thinks they're so cute. They're tiny little fingers and hands, and they're so perfect. But, you know, if that baby remained tiny, there would be something wrong. And we measure and weigh and look for babies to grow. And it's the same for us as Christians, that we need to grow in our faith And some of the way that is worked out is in our families, because God cares not just about kind of our spiritual life, but how we do everyday life. How is your heart towards your family, towards your children, towards your mum and dad, your parents, your brothers and sisters? Are you growing in your relationship with them? Are you kinder? more patient, more loving than you were a year ago, five years ago, ten years ago? Are you growing and is your heart changing towards your family? Are you allowing faith to shape your heart and your reactions and the way you bring up your children? You know, many parents pray about their children, particularly in the early days, just out of desperation. A lot of those prayers are just like, help, you know, help me, God. But I wonder if you have older children, if time has passed, maybe some of your children have disappointed you or rebelled. Maybe you have family members you're estranged from. Are you still praying for them? Is your heart still soft towards your family members? You know, God is concerned with your heart. He's more concerned about what you're like at home day by day in the nitty-gritty of family life than how you appear on a Sunday or how the things that you do that other people see. He's concerned about your heart. And only you know what your heart is really like. Above all else, your heart attitude matters in your family. You know, my daughter had a baby six weeks ago, and it's been lovely because I've been able to go over and help her and be around, have lots of cuddles uh, with baby Zach. But, you know, in their flat now, it's just full of baby stuff. I don't know if that's true in your houses, but, you know, they've got all kinds of, like, special cushions and, uh, you know, bottles and sterilizers and, uh, you know, chairs and all sorts of things. And you know what? I have been shown and trained and supervised several times, but can I fold that buggy down and up again in one movement? No. No. I am still very much someone who needs instruction. And, you know, we are all like that. We need instruction. We need guidelines. It's not just having the right attitude and a change of heart, 
but actually we need practical wisdom. And fortunately, there is much practical wisdom in the Bible about family life, about parenting. It's not prescriptive, it's not rules, it's not detailed down to every little thing that you must or must not do. But there are some principles in the Bible that can really help us raise our children and build strong families. And Zechariah had that word about John the Baptist, that he would uh, challenge those who were disobedient and turn them towards the wisdom of the righteous. Now, we probably don't think of ourselves as disobedient, but sometimes don't we make out that we know it all, that we have it all organized, we've read the book, we, we kind of know what, what, what we should do. But if we're honest, as parents and as family members, often we are making it up as we go along, aren't we? And it's a really powerful thing if we can humbly admit that we don't know it all, that actually we are still learning And we come to the Bible looking for it as a source of wisdom. Instead of just Googling it, why don't we open our Bibles and find wisdom that will help us in our family life? Here's a few of some of those verses, those kind of gems of wisdom that can help us. The first one has already been mentioned, Proverbs 22, verse 6. Train a child in the way he should go, and when he is old, he will not turn from it. What that verse is really saying is start children off on the way that they should go, on the path, the right path. And even if they veer off a little bit, eventually they will come back to that path. Now that could apply to you whether you're an auntie or an uncle or maybe you're a teacher or work in childcare and you influence children. You can help train them. But you know, if you're a parent today, if you're here as a parent, it is firstly your responsibility to train up your children, to, to start them on the right path, to lead them and help them make good choices Now, obviously, as children get older, they're going to increasingly make more choices for themselves. But hopefully, if you started them off on the right path, they will keep making good choices. And if they make wrong choices, you're going to help them and say, well, what was the consequence of that? How could you have done it differently? Let's talk about that and gently and firmly keep your children on the right path. I know that isn't easy because kind of in our society, choice is king, isn't it? You know, there are no end of TV programs they can watch. Their, you know, their wardrobe is full of all kind of clothes. They have all kinds of opportunities of the things that they can do. But as a parent, keep bringing them back to a godly path. There are some things you have to let go. I mean, maybe if your two-year-old wants to wear wellies to nursery every day, you just have to shrug your shoulders and let that happen. 
But there are other things that are more important. What about boundaries around technology? You know, how, how many times are you, how, how many hours are you going to let them play on the iPad or the phone? Yeah, never do with your children something for one day that you aren't prepared to do for hundreds or thousands of days because children love making habits and we need to help them make good habits. Habits that will enable them to be kind and generous and patient. And that's going to take time and reinforcement, but it will bear fruit over the long term. That's what that verse says to us, that if we train them in a good path at the beginning, it will bear fruit. Or what about Deuteronomy 11, verse 19? This is a a passage in the Bible after God has given the Ten Commandments, the law, the guidelines to his people. And then he says to all the people, uh, particularly to parents, he says this, Teach them, that's God's laws, to your children. Talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the roads, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your house and on your gate. This is about constantly sharing truth, sharing wisdom with your children. It's about reading them Bible stories and telling them the things that you know are true, but it's also more than that. It's about sharing your story, maybe how you became a Christian, maybe times when you've prayed and you've seen God answer your prayer, involving them in your spiritual life constantly. When you're in the car driving them to school, when you're on the bus, sharing truth with them that will build them up and encourage them and strengthen them. Pray together, come to church together, celebrate the great truths of the Christian faith together. You know, Easter is coming. Don't make Easter all about chocolate, although, you know, we all need our fair share of chocolate. But, but tell them the story that Jesus died on the cross, that their heart can be changed and they can be forgiven. Tell them about the fact that Jesus rose from the dead so we can have hope and life that goes on forever and joy because he is alive. Our Savior is alive. There are lots of truths that I could mention today, but I want to skip over to the New Testament the second half of the Bible. And in the New Testament, often in in some of the letters, you'll get the front half of the letter is all about who God is and what he's done in our life. And then the back two chapters or so will be all about practical everyday wisdom, how to live your life, how to do family, how to do marriage, how to be a Christian at work. And Ephesians is a book like that. And uh, there's a great verse in Ephesians 6, verse 4, that says this, Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, I don't know why it says fathers particularly, but I think it's saying here, fathers, don't just delegate parenting to the mums. Get involved. Know what's going on. Don't walk in and be cross. 
You know, but instead, know your children, love your children, learn what is going to work. For every child, there's often a different way to discipline and train and grow them up. And fathers, you need to be involved in that with all your hearts. A second verse in Ephesians says this, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. I don't know if you've found this true, but usually it is our family members who can wind us up like nobody else. And children have the delightful habit of making us feel frustrated and annoyed sometimes. You know, if you've, I can, re, I can remember my, one of my children had a, a great gift for temper tantrums. And, you know, there were often moments when we were out at church in Sainsbury's where he would be on the floor creating. And there's those moments make you feel angry. Or maybe for you, it's a teenager upstairs slamming doors. Bring your anger to God, okay? It's natural to feel anger, but don't sin. Don't let it overwhelm you. Don't lose it. Don't be full of resentment and grudges towards your children. And this applies to other family members but find forgiveness yourself. Walk away. Look for a way of peace. Don't let your anger come over you. But instead, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. We need to be in our family lives quick to be kind. I mean, if there was one quality that could change the way we do family, it's probably kindness. Some of us are really good at being kind out of the home, but when we, work, when we get home and our guard goes down, we get a little bit grumpy and irritable and impatient. I know I do that sometimes. Let's be kind to one another. Let's forgive one another. Let's be quick to say, I'm sorry, yeah? Let's be quick to forgive one another, whether that's your little one or your husband, your wife, your uncle, your mum. Let's be quick to forgive. And then Ephesians 5 verse 33 says this, each of you also must love his wife as he loves himself and the wife must respect her husband. Build a marriage, if you're married, based on love and respect. Trust each other. Love one another. Put the other person first. Make respect and believing the best of each other part of how you do everyday life. Yeah, we still believe that marriage between a man and a woman that lasts a lifetime is still God's best for family life. Now, if you're not in that situation, remember, God specializes in loving all kinds of families, in bringing hope in difficult circumstances and redeeming messy, broken family life. That's who he is. So by 
setting up an ideal. We're not saying that anything else, that God isn't involved in your family, because he is. He is involved in every family. Maybe you're thinking today, um, I'm not married. I'm trying to do this parenting stuff all by myself. Well, we want to say to you today, you're not alone. You're part of a people here, of a bigger family. And that's the change of perspective that comes when we come to faith. We become part of a bigger family. You know, the world says, have your children, pour everything into them, and look to them for all your satisfaction, your, your happiness. But we want to say, no, actually, we're part of something bigger, the people of God. It isn't just about me and my kids and my family. It's about God and his family and the family on the earth that he wants to gather together from all corners of the earth, the church. There's an old saying that says it takes a village to raise a child. But really, I would say it takes a church to raise a child. Now, again, the church is not a perfect family, okay? We might look okay on a Sunday, but actually we're, we're just made up of ordinary people, so we're messy too. Church life is messy, and particularly in a church like King's, a big church with three sites and six meetings, hundreds of people, you can't involve hundreds of people in your family and in your family life, but you can be part of a group or a serving team and get to know half a dozen people from church who will pray for you and share wisdom with you and maybe help you practically. That's what we want, that everybody here at King's is part of this big family in some way or another. There are some things that we can do well because we're a large community here with lots of talented people. So we have a wide range of Sunday children's ministries and youth work. We do rainbow rhymes in the week that we've mentioned where, where you know, people can gather and have fun with their babies and toddlers. We have youth here on a Friday night We run courses that help to support families, so we have uh, Relationship Matters, which is uh, a one-day course to support people who are thinking about a future together, and then the marriage course for people who are already married. And those things are run by hundreds of brilliant, brilliant volunteers. If you're one of those volunteers that helps build This bigger family, we are so grateful for everything that you do. Training your children is still very much a parental responsibility, but we want to do all we can to support you and build strong families. But you know, it's more than what we kind of put together and the ministries that we offer, because actually each one of us is the church. And each one of us plays a part in building this family and connecting us each with each other and sharing wisdom. Ephesians 4 says this about the church, the big family of God. 
Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. It's not just babies who need to grow. We need to grow. We, our hearts need to change. And we as a church, we are growing And we need each one of us to play our part, to speak truth in love to one another, to share wisdom so that we can grow up in Christ. That might mean for you, you're going to volunteer in the creche, or maybe at the end of the meeting, you're going to go and greet someone who is new or pray with someone you know is going through a tough time or sharing some wisdom that you've gained because you once went through debt or your marriage in trouble and, and you know you can share that with somebody else. The ways that we can do family together are endless and it's about each one of us playing our part. So let's be the kind of people that have changed hearts, that love our families, that move towards them with kindness and forgiveness and grace. Let's learn all we can from the Bible and apply godly wisdom to the everyday things that we do. Let's be part of a people, part of the bigger family of God, so that we can show the world that God loves family. Let's each play our part and support the families amongst us. Amen.